Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 17. The book of Judges, chapter 17. So in the last several weeks as we studied the book of Judges, we saw how the judges went from good to bad to worse. The final section of the book of Judges, which we're covering today, shows how the dark corruption, the dark corruption spirals that we've talked about throughout this whole study, were not just among the leadership, but among all the people. It wasn't only the judges who grew progressively worse. The people they judged did as well. The first section of the book introduced the theme and introduced the structure of the book. It reminded us what happened in the last days of Joshua. It reminded us how the people were already not starting off on the right foot and how they went from Gilgal to where they were presently. And so this is what the first chapter does. Remember, it explained to us the cycle, how Israel would sin and then they would be oppressed and then they would pray and then God would raise up a deliverer and then they would have peace and prosperity and then they would sin again and then they would pray. It was, they'd be oppressed and then they'd pray and repent and then God raised up a deliverer. The deliverer delivered them and had peace and prosperity. It was a cycle, but I called it a spiral because Judges chapter 2 also lets us know that each generation got worse and worse and worse. And so it led me to make the statement, the book of Judges is a tragedy. And we're studying this tragedy and learning how to apply the wisdom in this book to our lives and learning how not to fall after the same mistakes. Remember we covered in the first few times we've started with the book of Judges that the Old Testament is given to us for an example. And with an example, you learn what to do and what not to do. And so that's what we've been learning and looking at. Um, so let's go a little bit further. So we said the first section of the book introduces the theme and the structure of the book. The middle section revealed the story of the judges. Some of them were very epic and we've covered all the judges from Othniel to Samson. But the final section shows you how corrupt the tribes of Israel became. The final section of the book shows you how corrupt the tribes of Israel became. The final stories start weird and they grow darker and darker and darker and more confusing and worse and worse and worse. These stories, the last chapter, are not in chronicle order. Because when we read them, we think, oh, this must have happened right after the time of Samson. And actually it didn't. When we study the names mentioned in the final chapters of the book of Judges, most of the scholars believe that these happened near the beginning parts. Because remember, the book of Judges covers somewhere between 250 and 400 years. And so these stories happen maybe in the first 100, 150 years, the first part of the book of Judges. And these stories are very dark and disturbing. And this is how Israel started during the time of Judges. And remember, it said that every generation got worse and worse and worse. Imagine how bad it was at the end during the time of Samson. So let's dive into it. Now, normally these are not the chapters you read during your devotional time, but we're going to cover them tonight and help give you a biblical understanding of the narrative and where it's going to lead to. But just letting you know ahead of time, it's dark and we're going to go through it. Judges chapter 17, verse 1. Judges chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from me, on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, Here's the silver with me, I took it. And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So he returned the eleven hundred shekels or pieces of silver to his mother. 
And his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Thus, he returned the silver to his mother. Now, pause. Whoa, what happened here? Micah stole 1,100 pieces of silver from his mother. He stole this large sum of silver from his mother. And when his mother realized that the silver was stolen, she put a curse on it. She said, whoever so let them be cursed, whatever. Remember, this group of people at this time greatly believed in the power of oaths and the power of spoken words and spoken curses and spoken blessings. And so when she said that, that news traveled to Micah. He heard that his mother cursed whoever stole it. He came back and said, hey, I'm the one who took it. I stole the silver. Here it is. I'm giving it back. And so she tries to reverse the curse. Said, well, may the Lord bless you. And she says, I had, I had a plan for this silver. I wanted to make an image out of it. Or in other words, I wanted to make an idol out of it. Now, the amount that Micah stole is not a small amount. 1,100 pieces of silver. Let's put it in perspective. When you get to verse 10 of this chapter, you realize that 10 pieces of silver was considered a good wage for a year, not for a day, not for a week, for a month. Ten pieces of silver was considered a good wage for an entire year's worth of work. He stole 1,100 pieces of silver. This is a great fortune that he stole. But this is letting you know a little bit about Micah and a little bit about Micah's mother. So let's keep going. Then his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave them to the silversmith, and he made into a carved image and a molded image, and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made it ephod. So what did he, he made a shrine or a small temple? He made a private sanctuary, a small sanctuary near his house or a part of his house. And then he made an ephod. What is that? That is a linen priestly garment. And so he makes a copy or some type of version of the priestly garment that God commanded the children of Aaron, the Levites, to wear. And then he took his household idols and he put them, the idols his mother's made, he put them in his house. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. So he has this false consecration ceremony and he makes his own priesthood to worship this image whom they dedicated to God. Let's keep going. It's going to get weirder and get darker. Verse 6, remember I told you about verse 6 as we looked at it before in our earlier studies. Verse 6 is repeated four different times in the book of Judges or at least a variation of it is. And it's the key to understanding this book. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And remember, we said from Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to the man, but the end of is death. So this is no one's following the word, the word, or even them, to them, the law. The law that they had before them wasn't the final authority of their life. They did whatever they wanted to do. There was no not just central monarchy telling them what to do, but they weren't following God's leading either, and they weren't following his word. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, which means it's dark and it's a place of oppression, of darkness, of corruption, of where might means right, of people taking advantage of other people. As we already see, Micah stealing a fortune from his mother and returning it because he was afraid of a curse. This is what's going on. And these are the early days of the book of Judges. Notice what it says next. Now, there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay where he could find a place. Now, remember, the Levites usually had assigned places of ministry, what they're supposed to do. But for whatever reason, this Levite is not in their assigned place and he is traveling. So he's not where he's supposed to be. And he's looking for a new place to go. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, 
Where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, Dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me, and I'll give you ten shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So I'm going to give you clothes to wear, I'm going to feed you, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to pay you ten pieces of silver a year. So the Levite went in. The Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as a priest. Well, what happened? So this Levite, who was supposed to be a priest of the one true God, gets bought out by Micah. He's an opportunist. We see this later. And he becomes a priest to Micah. And Micah thinks, God's really going to bless me because in my false religion I've set up, I have a Levite for my priest, so this is what God's going to bless. He's coming up with crazy things. See, this is what happens when people don't use the word as the final authority in their life. They'll come up with strange doctrines, strange practices, and strange things and think God's going to bless them. Because they think, well, because this is everyone's doing what's right on their side. Well, this is what I want to do. This must be what God wants me to do. The word's not final authority, so they're doing everything, and they're expecting the blessing of God. They're just like Micah in this chapter. Let's go on to the next chapter. Judges chapter 18, verse 1. In those days, there was no king in Israel. So you see this repeat again. So we're let, it's, when we see this verse, it's letting us know that something crazy is about to happen. And look, notice the next. And in those days, the tribe of Danites were seeking inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribe of Israel had not fallen to them. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zorah to Eshtal, to spy out the land and to search it. They said to them, go search the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. While they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? He said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me. I have become his priest. So they said to him, please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey of which we go will be prosperous. And pre the priest said to him, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. So the false priest gives a false blessing out worshiping false idols. And the people of Dan follow his advice. So they find this land that they want to take. And long story short, they gather the people of army, the people of Dan gather an army of 600 men, and they're going to war to take the city of Laish and make it their own. And so they went up, they went to camp, and as they're going to battle, they pass again the mountains of Ephraim and they go to the house of Micah. Verse 14. And the five men who had gone out to spy the country of Laish answered and said to the brethren, do you know that there are in this, these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now, therefore, consider what you should do. In addition to these images, Micah had also made other many different idols. And then it's verse 15. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The 600 men armed with their weapons of war, who were the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. And the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carp image, the ephod, the household idols, the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the carp image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? And they said to him, Be quiet, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us, and be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you'd be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad. He was an opportunist. 
And he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, and took his place among the people. Then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock, and goods in front of them. When they were good away from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they called out the children of Dan. So they turned around and said to Micah, What ails you that you've gathered such a company? So he said, You have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priests, and you've gone away. Now more, what more do I have? How can you say to me what ails you? And the children of Dan said to him, Don't let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you, and you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. So they took the things Micah had made, and the priests who had belonged to him, and went to Laish, to a people quiet and secure. They struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the sea with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Poseidon, and there were no ties with anyone. It was in the valley of that belongs to Beth Rehob. So they built the city and dwelt there. They called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. Now you think, okay, so they ransack a city, they tear it down, they build their own. They have this false priest, this false religion, this whole tribe of Dan is following this religion. But verse 30 and verse 31 really pack a punch. And I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. And it's almost like the author in his, as he's writing, led by the Spirit of God, that they, he puts this information right here to drive home the point. Verse 30, Then they set up the carved image, remember they stole from Micah, and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priest for the tribe of Dan unto the exile. Pause. Whoa. Who's their priest? It's not just anybody. It is Moses' grandson. Yes, Moses brought the plagues down to Egypt. Moses, who parted the Red Sea. Moses, who hit the rock and water poured out. Moses, who prayed and then quail flew in. Moses, under Moses, manna fell from heaven. This Moses, his grandson, becomes the leader of the established idolatry of the tribe of Dan. This is how far Israel has departed from the ways of God, that the great prophet Moses' grandson is now a leader of the false idolatry, of the idolatry, of the false religion, and the whole tribe of Dan establish it and follows it. Notice what it says in verse 31. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle God remained at Shiloh. So instead of going to where true worship was at Shiloh, they created their own temple, their own religion, and they worshiped there. This writer of the Judges reveals a twist of the story that drives home the cultural depravity even further. This Levite was Moses' grandson. Now, when we get to chapter 19 through chapter 21, the story is even darker. I'm not going to read through the entire story. It is dark. It is twisted. It is evil. So what happens, Judges chapter 19, verse 1, sets up the story again. And it came to pass in those days there was no king in Israel. So that's, you know, something crazy is about to happen again. That there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. He took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem and Judah, and in this context, a concubine is most like a legal mistress. So she doesn't marry her, and she doesn't have the rights a wife has. And so this is already telling you that a Levite, who should be living the life, is not. A Levite, who should be one of the Levitical cities, is not. So he's not a place where he's supposed to be. The art of this book here, using Levites, Moses' grandson at one, and then this other Levite as examples, is letting you know how bad it got. That the people who were really supposed to be living the best were living like this. And so this lets you know how bad it was everywhere else. And remember, we said these stories, this one included, happened at the beginning period of the book of Judges. 
And so it lets you know how bad it got the rest of the hundred years of this period of time. And so his concubine leaves him, leaves him. And in a different translation, he was, she was angry at him, was disturbed about him, leaves, decides to go sleep with somebody else. He works to try to win her back. And so they get back together. And then they go and stay at her father's house for a little while. And eventually they leave late in the day. And while the night runs on, they need to stay somewhere. Instead of going to a tribe of one of the foreign entities, they thought we'll be safer at a city in Israel. And instead of being safe in the city of Israel, they find, some, first there was no hospitality. No one welcomed them in. And then they find a place. And as night falls, a story, a situation happens that, that happened before, but not in Israel, but in Sodom and Gomorrah. The house is surrounded by men and they're banging on the door and it says, bring out the man who came to the city and that we may rape him. That's what they're banging. That's what they're yelling at the door. This is how dark Israel is. These are the, these are the Benjamin, Benjaminites, a city of Gibeah and Benjamin. And so they refuse and the story is twisted, even how it carries out. And this Levite offers his concubine. And what happens? They rape her. They kill her. In the morning, she's dead on the front doorstep. And here's how this gets darker. And so the Levite knows what is done. And so he takes her, divides her into 12 pieces, takes the dead body, divides it into 12 pieces, and then sends it to the tribes of Israel to let them know what Gibeah has done. What does this happen? It leads to a civil war. All of Israel gathers and tells the tribe of Benjamin, bring out the men who did this so that we may kill them. Benjamin, instead of turning over these people, this mob who did it, defends them and is ready for war. So the first civil war of Israel happens. And what it leads to is the decimation of the tribe of Benjamin. So that there's only about 600 men left in the entire tribe. It tells you that 25,000 men of the tribe of Benjamin died in battle that day. And so what happens is the tribe of Benjamin is almost wiped out from the face of the planet. They ended up finding wives for them, weird story, dark story, not ordained by God's story. And the tribe of Benjamin goes on. And the book of Judges ends after this dark, dark time, dark, dark story. And remember, these stories are from the beginning of the book of Judges. And so this is letting you know what's going to happen that we read through the other book about the judges that we've covered so far in the study. This is how dark it was among the people. This is what was going on. It was evil things going on. Judges 21, verse 25, the last verse of this book says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Remember, we talked about what this verse means. So there's anarchy. There is sin. There's depravity. And these last two final stories that I just summed up quickly lets you know how bad it was. And if this was at the beginning of the period of Judges, imagine what it looked like during the days of Samson and what happened after Samson. Now go to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. The next book over, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the, the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. So in addition to the oppression, the great sin and the depravity and all the darkness and the foreign armies coming in and taking over the land and the death, the civil war and all these things that were going on. There were also famines. There was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Remember, the Moabites are different times of the press. They're enemies of Israel. They're different things. But imagine how bad it was 
in the promised land for this man to leave the promised land and go live in Moab. So he took his wife and, her, and his two sons and they went to dwell in the country of Moab. The land was dark, but what the book of Ruth is going to reveal is that hope was beginning to shine in the midst of the darkness. So although we finished our book of Judges tonight, next week we have a bonus, a bonus episode, a bonus study. Hope and the darkness. Next week, in the conclusion of our study, we'll conclude with a message because hope and the darkness. Because although it is dark, it is depraved, it is disturbing, horrible things are going on. God, out of his love, out of his mercy, out of his covenant and commitment to Abraham, and out of his love and mercy for you, we'll find out next week, he was putting a plan into motion to bring a bright hope in the midst of the darkness that would change everything. So don't miss next week. So the conclusion of what I'll tell you today is make sure you keep the word first place in your life. Because if you don't, you'll follow the errors of Micah. And what happened, Micah's error and the Levite's error or Moses' grandson error led to a whole tribe following that error. If you depart and you begin to adopt another thinking, another philosophy, another mentality, you can lead other people into the darkness. Stick with the word. Or as I've been sharing on Faith in the Morning this week from Psalm 1, stay planted, stay rooted, stay grounded in the word of God. Think on the word of God every single day. Think on it, apply it, study it, read it, speak it. Bury it deep in your heart. Don't let the culture around you and the world bring you down to its level of darkness. Choose to be light. Choose to be hope. Choose to be rooted, grounded in the word. So as it says in Psalm 1, it's been talking about this week on Faith in the Morning, talk about it again tomorrow, so that your leaf never withers and you prosper wherever you go. And so if there are any areas of your life where you're compromising in, like Moses' grandson did, or that you've adopted other things, like Micah did, don't make excuses for it. Repent of it. We're going to have an altar call in just a moment. If you have to clear your heart of things, ask God to forgive you, and he will. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you love us. And we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word. Help us apply what we've learned. And help us make the corrections we need to make. So we can be hope and light in the midst of the darkness of our day. Help us to be hearers of the word and not just be doers of the word. So we can be blessed in our doing. In Jesus' name, amen. And so be it. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on our many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.